Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Anthony Harris about how businesses can have workplace safety within the realm of new COVID strains and mandates. Dr. Anthony Harris, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Chicago. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Today, we're going to be talking about the pandemic. We're going to be talking about how businesses can have workplace safety and increase workplace safety within the realm of new COVID strains that continue to, to come about and the mandates that may or may not follow. Uh, so over the last couple of years, of course, we've been dealing with this. There's been new strands. There's been new um, uh, new issues related to just dealing with uh, the number of cases and hospitalizations and such. With that have come mandates, uh, mask mandates. Uh, some companies have had vaccination mandates uh, and all of the social and political tensions that come along with all of that. So it, this has been a big, messy thing for two years. Now, it feels like, at least around here in Utah and, and many people I'm talking to from around the country, it feels like most people you know, are of the mindset that we're kind of past this, we're past the pandemic stage, we're into the endemic stage, um, and that it's not something we really need to be thinking tons about. Yet, there's still yet another new strand. Um, there's warnings that we could see another surge in cases. And so I think this is going to just be something we continually have to think about. And whether we're talking about COVID specifically, or we're just talking about any workplace safety and health related issues, I think much of what we're going to discuss today still has that application. So uh, Dr. Harris, it's a pleasure to have you. And I appreciate you spending time to share your expertise with me and my listeners. As we get started, I wanted to share Dr. Harris's bio with everybody. Dr. Anthony Harris, MD, MBA, MPH is the owner of HFIT Health and the former chief innovation officer and medical director for work care. He is board certified in occupational and environmental medicine and is the former medical director of Community Occupational Medicine LLC. He has worked as a healthcare consultant with a focus on market research, product design, and business development since 2006. Dr. Harris earned his medical and master's of business administration degrees at the Indiana University School of Medicine and Kelly School of Business, and his master of public health degree at the University of Illinois, Chicago. He has general surgery training, and he completed fellowship training in 
bio design and innovation at the University of Missouri. What a tremendous background. Again, a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners just by way of your background personal story before we launch on into the conversation for today? Well, hey, thanks again, John. And I'm a fervent uh, uh, tinkerer, I'd like to say, you know, so the bigger the problem, the, the more we jump into it. And certainly during COVID, uh, serving as lead uh, physician for work care uh, to help uh, save lives and uh, protect workers as much as we could. Yeah, thank you. And obviously within the medical field, talking about workplace safety in hospitals, in care centers, and those sorts of things, that's an entirely different level, right, of, of really everything that we're going to be discussing today. Uh, but there's application, of course, to every workplace. And I think pretty much everyone listening has had to wrestle with that over the last couple of years. So why don't we start uh, with you just laying out, you know, your your overall framing and, and, uh, and uh, a landscape for the current um, conditions and where you see things going in the coming months and year. Sure. So um, in terms of dealing with COVID, right, I mean, this is part of a more global um, picture, obviously. Uh, and if we look at history, and I mean, look at history, right, let's go back to the first recorded pandemic in 900 BC, right? Um, and since then, if we look at the occurrence of pandemics globally, um, they've accelerated in, the t- in terms of their um, uh, presence here on the planet, right? Uh, and it makes sense. We we are uh, increasing our population, our global population, uh, and that brings with it the opportunity for more uh, transmission of illness, right? And uh, if we, as we look at uh, the history of COVID, um, we began with a prognostication that COVID is going to be around for at a minimum five years. We're obviously uh, not through uh, much of half of that, right? We're, we're, we're at that halfway mark, if you would. Um, and so there's still a long runway to go. And so what does that look like for us? Obviously, we know what it's been uh, in terms of the uh, strong lockdown, social distancing, mask mandates, uh, vaccine mandates, et cetera. And in particular, as we talk about protecting the workforce, what is that going to look like? It, unfortunately, it's going to be much of the same. And that's part of what we're seeing today, uh, because we're not just talking about trying to prevent loss of life, right? Obviously, that's a central component uh, to what we do, what I do as a public health uh, official and, and public servant in the healthcare industry. Um, but we also have a charge in occupational health uh, to help minimize what's called absenteeism, the loss of the workforce from the workplace as a result of illness. And so we're still seeing a significant impact to absenteeism as a result of COVID-19. And that's what's gonna be uh, the most pressing thing for us to solve as we continue to deal with COVID over the next two, two and a half years. Yeah, thank you. Well, and as much as I've tried to stay on top of these issues, as you've shared this five-year benchmark, I'm not sure I'd actually been aware of that. So that means, yeah, we're, we're less than halfway through. We still have a long way to go. Hopefully the worst is behind us, uh, but you know, it, it's all uncertain and, and unforeseeable. So, so we still have to be vigilant and making sure that we're taking precautions. And you know, just, just last week, I had a, a good friend uh, who, who um, tested positive for COVID. You know, he's been super careful. He's been vaccinated. He's been boosted. And he ended up having a pretty tough case. And so it's still happening. You know, it's, you know, hopefully it's not happening as often, um, but it is happening. And, and so we, we still need to be careful. And you mentioned absenteeism. So it's clearly workplace illness, workplace safety is, is key. 
Um, but one thing that organizations have had to do over the last couple of years is, you know, in many cases when possible, go remote or hybrid or just provide increasing flexibility to employees and accommodations to employees. Um, and I think those trends are going to have to continue if for no other reason than employees just expect it um, now after experiencing it for a couple of years. Uh, but within medical um, care facilities, hospitals, it's not like you can just zoom in. Uh, to, to be a nurse and take care of people. And so there's going to continue to be challenges. Serious illness, um, even death, obviously that's horrible. But like you said, uh, absenteeism or, or even serious illness, that's, that's one level. You talk then about absenteeism that has negative impacts for both uh, employees and for organizations and for those they're caring for, for example, if they're healthcare providers. Um, that's another level that we have to pay serious attention to. Uh, but then you have other things like withdrawal cognition, where you're, you're still showing up to work, but you're really not as committed to it. And, and frankly, you're kind of tuned out and you're, you're actively looking for the next thing. And we know right now in the middle of this great resignation, the great reevaluation or great reawakening or whatever, however you term it, that that's actually a super common problem that organizations are facing as well. Uh, so even if everyone is physically healthy, mentally, people are feeling um, burdened, they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling burnout, uh, you know, everything they've had to deal with the last couple of years. And frankly, people are just reevaluating and saying, is this something I actually want to do? And so the amount of productivity happening in the workplace, while people may be butts and seats, are they actually actively engaged in the work that they're doing? And we've seen a decline there. So all of these different factors go into um, what we're trying to create. And that is a dynamic workplace environment where it's healthy, psychologically healthy, socially healthy, um, physically healthy as well, where we can meet the needs of every employee. And that's really what organizations are struggling with. I'm not sure we figured it out yet. I think you're right, right? It's an ongoing or evolving process in terms of protecting the workforce from those things that you mentioned, right? The burnout, um, the mental fatigue or psychological um, feeling not psychologically safe, if you would, uh, in the workplace anymore. Uh, and, you know, the statistics uh, and the studies have um, held up to what we're seeing play out in the workplace in that, you know, it was estimated about 40% of companies would not go back to an in-office setting. Um, and they would continue to uh, have remote work in perpetuity. And uh, there's been studies that have demonstrated that productivity for remote work actually increased uh, across sectors. Um, and so that's why you're seeing, uh, you know, the announcements of, uh, you know, the entire company uh, like uh, Airbnb, right, remotely uh, uh, capable now uh, moving forward. Um, now, exactly what you're talking about also is playing out in regards to uh, individuals being at work but not being as productive um, because of their mental status. And that we call um, a presenteeism, where you're there but you're not 100% there, right? Uh, and productivity has taken a hit as a result. And companies like you mentioned are still trying to figure that piece out. How do we uh, re-engage the workforce? How do we uh, um, put purpose, you know, where purpose may have been waned uh, over the pandemic um, because people were not uh, centralized, right? They, they didn't have that, uh, you know, motivational uh, conversation uh, with, with their neighbor next door or from the, uh, the manager or the boss, right, to help keep the team rowing in the right direction. Managing the remote workforce um, has its challenges, 
right? And so as people are trying to come back to work safely, um, you know, there are new challenges in terms of that motivation, that engagement. And frankly, as, as we're talking about, you know, uh, the if we zoom out, if you would, and, and look at kind of some of the larger macro challenges uh, that COVID-19 has presented as, as well as highlighted other problems uh, with regard to employee motivation. It's around uh, what we call total worker health, right? Uh, really looking at how do we keep the workforce healthy, um, uh, literally physically, right? You know, half, almost half of the U.S. population is uh, suffers from obesity, right? Our uh, diabetes uh, off the charts. And these are things that have worsened during the pandemic. Right, uh, chronic illnesses that have worsened during the pandemic as a result of stressors, as a result of people not being out and about, exercise being down, self-care being down, right? Uh, and so now we have on top of where we were pre-pandemic, uh, a confluence of these health issues that is burdening the workforce uh, and our population. And we're struggling to keep up, if you would, with the demand for innovative ways to re-engage, to motivate, and then uh, get people back on a path of, of, of kind of global safety uh, through health and wellness, if you will. Right? That, that's a really good point. And I'm glad you bring up the broader wellness discussion here because yeah, I just think about myself and, and I, I, I assume, you know, anyone listening, you can you think about how this applies to you. Everyone's different, obviously, but I went from, you know, I've worked in a hybrid arrangement for years. I've, I've done that for years. So, um, you know, I've worked from home a lot already, but during the pandemic, it went, you know, hundred percent virtual. And so I'm, I'm just not doing the normal little things. I, you know, I would still get out and walk my dogs and do those sorts of things, but I wasn't going into the office. I wasn't just, just walking to the car, walking from the car to, uh, in the parking lot to the building, walking around the building, uh, to go to meetings, just things like that. I noticed, you know, I, you know, like many people, I keep a, a, a fitness tracker, you know, on me. And so I can just see how my steps are for years. I've averaged, you know, a certain level, I'm usually around 15 plus thousand steps a day without any particular, you know, effort towards it. That's just kind of my normal day of, of how I move around and walk the dogs and work or, and work and whatever. Um, immediately I saw that like dive in half. Right. So these are just little daily things that happen. I'm not giving thought to it. it's not like I'm going to work out. It's just that I cut in half that movement. And so you, you multiply that across the entire population. And it's no wonder all of a sudden you see an increase uh, in these chronic illnesses and pain and, and obesity and diabetes and all these things. Now, you know, I found myself having to be extra vigilant about scheduling time to get more physical activity. Uh, and it's one thing to have a workplace wellness program, you know, when people are coming into the office and you can have messaging around the building and there's like a location people can go to, and we can have like walking meetings and those sorts of things. It's one thing when we're together, but when we're working virtually and we have a distributed team, employee wellness is still super important, but how do you foster a culture of employee wellness, physical wellness, mental wellness, um, when people aren't even together, how do you encourage members of your team to make sure that they're taking break, regular breaks and to get up and move around and to stretch and to just do those basic things. How do you get people to do that? And that is, I think, as you mentioned, an ongoing challenge that we, we haven't quite figured out in relation to everything surrounding this pandemic. And let's also just as a reminder, and I, I don't mean, mean to be a downer here, but you, you said we're about halfway through what many people said was gonna be the cycle.
Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Prior to this pandemic, you know, many people had been predicting that we would see uh, in the coming years major global pandemics. And this isn't the end. Like this is one that we're experiencing, but the next one could be just around the corner. And so due to a variety of, of reasons, uh, that's something we just have to stay vigilant about. And, and we do need to figure this out sooner than later so that we don't have not only a workplace wellness crisis, um, but that we don't have a societal wellness crisis. Uh, and, and the other aspect of this, you kind of alluded to it, but I'll just put a fine point on it, is that we've seen the pandemic impact different groups and populations differently, right? And so there are, there are certain disadvantaged populations um, that have had worse health outcomes during the pandemic, uh, not only just from COVID itself, but from all these um, derivatives, uh, you know, that you've already been talking about. Uh, and so these are additional layers of complexity around this issue that we just have to continue to pay attention to. A hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. And if you look at, you know, uh, kind of adding insult to injury, right? Uh, the things you, you just mentioned in regards to, um, you know, why you know, the underlying problem of why people have experienced uh, increased in, uh, increases in chronic illness, uh, particularly around obesity and diabetes, um, you know, we now add to, like you said, the disproportionate uh, effect uh, of COVID on different populations, right? Um, not just the underserved, but uh, those with underlying chronic illness, right? Uh, unfortunately, you know, here in the U.S., over uh, 40% of those who lost their lives to COVID were diabetic, 40%, right? Uh, and now we're increasing the number of diabetic individuals. And as you mentioned, again, the next pandemic, we're not through this pandemic yet, 
Um, but now we are more vigilant looking for what's next, right? The, 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 if you look at the uh, occurrence of uh, this present week and last week and the emergence of monkeypox, right? Um, uh, being now on the scene here in the US uh, with one case in Canada, uh, UK, Spain, Portugal, um, we're looking at that and saying, okay, what what is happening that uh, we're now seeing a virus that was extremely rare and not transmitted uh, human to human from animals. It was a zoonosis uh, disease from animal to human primarily. Now we're seeing it more potentially and transmit human to human, right? Uh, and, and so again, uh, on, the, on the lookout, on the caution for another uh, pandemic that may be upon us. I'm not, uh, you know, trying to say anything doomsday-ish, uh, if you would. But again, it's just, uh, it's a telltale sign that uh, we need to do more, perhaps, to address some of the underlying factors that uh, uh, put us in a position of increased susceptibility for transmission, as well as for poor outcomes, uh, so that the next pandemic doesn't hit us as hard as COVID has. Yeah, great. And let's go there next then. So what are some of those things that we need to be doing now so that we're not caught flat-footed, like pretty much most people were back in, in March of 2020? You know, there were some people that were ready to pivot on a dime, but most people were completely uh, caught flat-footed. So what do we need to be doing to prepare uh, to respond to future um, issues and challenges whether it be just a new strain of COVID or, or if it's a new virus altogether, um, what are some of those things that we need to be looking at right now? Sure. Well, uh, there's kind of two, twofold to that uh, you know, question in regards to what can we do as a society at the governmental level and then what can we do at an individual level, right, or an organizational level. And certainly we saw swift active uh, activity from the government and, and, and again mentioning small, or excuse me, monkeypox. Uh, we saw recently the government uh, um, order uh, a magnitude of smallpox vaccine, which is 85% efficacious against monkeypox, right? Uh, and so recognizing that vaccinations will save lives, recognizing that uh, not delaying and being prepared with enough vaccinations uh, is paramount to helping minimize effects from any potential virus or pandemic uh, um, uh, vectors. And so we see that happening on the individual or organizational level, right? Having a plan in place, right? And having a response, a rapid response plan so that uh, if there is a local or, you know, a regional or even nationwide outbreak, uh, your organization uh, can respond quickly um, with the things that we know will be protective for that particular vector, right? If it's airborne, obviously masking. Uh, if, if the uh, means of transmission is uh, fecal oral and whatnot, the hand hygiene uh, protocols in place. So uh, again, it, it's a partnership between public health uh, uh, organizations and governmental organizations uh, so that plans are in place and the resources are there. That's important, right? You mentioned we were caught flat-footed, not just on our response, but on our resource allocation, uh, manufacturing of enough personal protective equipment, et cetera. And I think because now we've endured uh, COVID-19, um, we'll be more prepared, better prepared with these plans. Um, the telltale uh, sign will be how we will respond, not to the very next pandemic, right? Uh, but to the pandemic that's 10 years away. Will, we, will the institutional knowledge and will the uh, you know, uh, history that we've hopefully learned from persist in our responsiveness uh, a decade from now, right? That'll be the test. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. But for now, 
uh, planning is going to be key. Yeah, I hope we're ready. I hope, uh, you know, we, we don't forget the lessons that we've learned these last couple of years. Well, Anthony, it has just been a real pleasure. I know at the time we're going to have to wrap up here in just a few minutes. But before we close for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you. Tell us a little bit more about uh, HFIT Health uh, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. So uh, please reach out to me if you have questions. You can reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, Dr. Anthony Harris um, uh, is my handle. Uh, and then you can visit uh, HFIT Occupational Health, HFIT Health, uh, at just at hfithealth.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me, my team. Uh, our mission is to help uh, prevent not just workplace transmission, but also in the, in the population, right? That we want to make sure that uh, we have a healthy population uh, from now until that's my training, that's my expertise, and that's what we provide to communities as well as organizations um, with that, uh, um, that forward-looking technological bent uh, to everything that we do. Uh, and uh, the word for today, uh, I would say, is really um, personal, um, uh, personal uh, let, let's call it personal protection, right, or personal charge, right? Uh, and I'm not just meaning, um, you know, are you vaccinated? I'm not just saying, are you still masking? Uh, what I uh, want to put forth is, uh, how are you thinking about your own personal health, the health of your family, from an overall standpoint of, um, you know, underlying chronic conditions, you know, diabetes, obesity, mental health, right? Uh, and taking time to really um, create a plan to uh, understand the state that you're in and, and move towards a better state of health. And if we all you know, improve only just one aspect of our current state of being, uh, we're gonna have a healthier population overall. And what we'll find is that uh, our society, our communities will thrive even more. We spend a lot of money on healthcare. Number one in the world on healthcare spend, uh, last time I checked, we were 47th in the world in terms of uh, good health outcomes, right? And so that's where we want to really focus in on the ind our individual charge uh, to be healthier um, uh, from a physical and mental standpoint, and everything around us then will, will improve. And that, again, is our mission at HFIT uh, and the communities that we serve with our franchises of clinics. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Anthony. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Anthony can do for you. Check out HFIT and his team. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, creating and transforming next-gen organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. 
Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.